welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim Ben. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to the Right Spokane Perspective today with your host, Tim Ben, and lovely co-host, Shannon Ben, and guest host in Bob McCaslin. We're going to be talking about trains, planes, and automobiles, boats, and the North-South Freeway this Friday. I think there's a lot of jokes and maybe a movie on the first part of that title. But, you know, with government, we always got to make things bigger. So it's trains, planes, automobiles, boats, and the North-South Freeway this Friday. First, some inspiration from Shannon. We're going to jump off into inspiration. Make sure that we choose wisely. Astronaut Chris Ferguson made a difficult decision as the commander of the flight crew scheduled for a journey to the International Space Station, but that decision didn't have anything to do with the mechanics of flight or the safety of his fellow astronauts. Instead, it pertained to what he considers his most important work, his family. Ferguson opted to keep his feet planted firmly on Earth so he could be present for his daughter's wedding. We all face difficult decisions at times, decisions that cause us to evaluate what matters most to us in life, because one option comes at the expense of another. Jesus aimed to communicate this truth to his disciples and a crowd of onlookers regarding life's most important decision to follow him. To be a disciple, he said, would require them to deny themselves in order to walk with him. They might have been tempted to spare themselves the sacrifices required of following following Christ and instead seek their own desires, but he reminded them it would come at the price of that which matters much more. We're often tempted to pursue things that seem of great value, yet they distract us from following Jesus. Let's ask God to guide us in the choices we face each day so that we'll choose wisely and honor him. Jesus, we want to walk with you. Please help us to recognize and choose the paths that will foster a deeper connection to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we sometimes make the right choices in which path we should take. And sometimes government actually is successful at doing certain things. Now, I, I want to bring up one of those successes before we dive off into the deluge of non-successful endeavors government has done with transportation-related issues. You know, there's a lot of federal funding, a lot of government money that's bailed out the airline industry in recent decades, but sometimes they do a good job with that money, at least to some extent. Here in the Spokane area, Spokane ended up one of the most punctual airports in the nation. We're talking in about number four spot of all the airports in the nation. Spokane ended up number four most punctual airport as far as flights being on time 80% of the time, which was better than any of the other airports across the nation this last year. So there was a success by the airport board in the city of Spokane on their success there. And then, of course, to tie the trains, planes, automobiles in, can look over at the other side of the state where they wanted to do light rail. And we ended up with the most expensive light rail per foot in the nation and globe, actually. I think it was the most expensive in the world. But when it comes to transportation funding for, say, I don't know, the North-South Freeway, we're lacking because everybody looks at their automotive registration for their vehicle and we're funding ferry services, which most people within earshot of this program probably haven't been on a ferry in a good long while. But we can't get the North-South Freeway done. And I think some of that has to do with the way the government messes around with our industries. And before we came on the air, Bob and I were talking a little bit about that because, you know, our electrical bills should be a lot cheaper. But in Washington, we don't recognize hydropower as clean energy, but California does. 
So they sell the hydropower to California for their environmental tax credits while we have to pay for more windmills and solar and and a higher rate for our power here. But the same thing's happening in the automotive industry. And it's also negatively affecting our state transportation budget, which is why they want to go this tax per mile and track all the the citizens of the state. I don't know how they're going to get around that, Bob. What are your thoughts on what they're doing with the automotive industry? We were talking about electrical and hydrogen. What was your experience? Well, basically, when we first, when I was first there on the on the transportation committee, we had Tesla actually come, and I missed out on getting to go for test drives. It was basically, oh, let's give these exemptions, all kinds of different exemptions. Basically, so licensing your electric vehicle would be less expensive. The problem was in all of that is unless you were just, I can't use any other word, but kind of anal about how you manage your time and how you decide to get from point A to point B, you always have to plan much sooner than you do with gasoline or diesel to get your vehicle charged up. And, you know, the real problem with that is that the Democrats claim to be champions of people of lower income. And yet none of those people drive electric vehicles or hydrogen powered vehicles. By the way, hydrogen is only one. It's the Toyota Mirai. And it starts at $65,000. So supposedly the people that they are trying to help are, are do we have those in washington there's really nothing in our area here in spokane that where you could get it so-called gassed up you know for hydrogen fuel now, yeah. the, now these electric vehicles of course uh, the government is subsidizing all of these mm-hmm. charging stations and as far as i know these charging stations don't have fees at a lot of them in fact i know i've heard about one fellow I'm not, I'm not going to use any names here, but he thought he was a libertarian politically. He purchased an electric vehicle because he was going to be able to save the money, not just because of the, the government kickbacks and tax exemptions and things on the vehicle, but he lived across the street from a library that is charging station. So he never had to pay for the electricity or fuel for his vehicle. So he knew he was going to be able to pay for it in the long run. And you've got, like you said, the working class folks that are buying typically used vehicles. If they buy a new one, it, hopefully it's economical for them. But if you're a construction worker, if you're a, in a lot of different industries, you need a, a truck. So the electric truck's not going to work out very well for you because you got to haul tools. Sometimes the job sites are a long ways away. You got to haul heavy loads to and from the job site. Tell us uh, a little bit about what your thoughts on maybe having an electric truck run the cr- construction industry at this point. Well, the, the problems with electric trucks, Tim, are the same with electric cars. There's several factors that, that make it difficult to make sure that you can actually use those. And one of the number one things is those charging stations that are supposedly free are half the time, they, they don't work. Wow. And, and there doesn't seem to be an organized way for the people that sell those or, or put those in communities to have regular maintenance on them to make sure that they actually work. So that's a problem. Imagine a person not being able to get to work and, and then knowing our public transit system, it's going to take twice as long 
to get to work. Right. I, so if I, you're you're expecting to hop in your uh, your electric hot rod and and get to work on time, and the thing didn't charge up, then of course now you're going to be late to work because the the public bus system is going to take you two to three times longer to get to work. So you're going to be late. Well, well I don't I'm, know about you, but I don't think the bus system is going to deliver the fire trucks. Well, so they they do have picture, they, picture this. You have they do you have, have electric EMS, fire trucks now. You have the EMS operator saying, "Yes, ma'am, I know your house is on fire, but the the fire trucks are are charging right now. We just can't get to you." Right. We already put out a fire today. You're on your own. Yeah, the electric fire trucks. Up. And of course, we've gone to electric vehicles here in the city of Spokane. Some some police vehicles, which apparently the police are not happy with at all because of the unreliability. Because they have to charge them the way the vehicles are set up or not conducive for law enforcement. Of course, we know that electricity is going to become more and more expensive as we see the environmentalists push to more heavily regulate things in, in the energy world. And so we see with electric cars, the cost is a lot higher, EVs, electric vehicles, but you also have to pay for the charging. So even if you don't have that public utility-based charging station, like the one fellow I had mentioned, but maybe you have a a home-based charging system, if you don't have specific electrical utilities inside your living establishment, apartment complex, wherever you call home, you're not going to be able to charge your vehicle very quick because those ones at the stations, the Teslas, those are fast charging stations. You have to have a lot of output to have a station like that at your house. So if your house isn't wired specifically to have an electric car, which is tens of thousands of dollars more potentially to have an electric vehicle, you have a small station that's going to take many hours to charge your vehicle. Well, that's true. And the the legislature didn't put that in the legislation that they were going to help subsidize construction of people's homes, I didn't think. No, they didn't. And it's, it's this whole idea of legislation is good if it sounds good. It's a great idea if it appeases your political leanings. And the thing is, you know, Republicans can be guilty of that too. But the problem is, is the whole idea with climate change and global warming. So say you do buy into global warming and that CO2 is contributing to that. The problem is, you know, the Los Angeles Times in 2012, I think it was, did a big article on it. That's a decade ago. Yeah. They had these huge wildfires going on in California because they weren't managing their state land. California owns so much land. Yosemite, some really neat places to go. But the problem is they spent all of that time thinking that, you know, we've got to get rid of all of these. The truth is... Everything that produces carbon, when it comes to all of that, wildfires are the biggest things that produce carbon. In fact, two weeks of wildfires put more carbon in the air than a whole year of everything else put together that produces carbon in the state of California or in the state of Washington. That was a huge issue for several years in the last decade in Washington where you could barely go outside and do anything. People were limited on what they could do, even in summer months when you're supposed to be your most active because the air quality was so bad that even people that didn't have sensitive breathing issues were 
were struggling and their eyes would burn depending on where they were at and which way the wind was blowing, bringing the, the fires. And the interesting thing too about California, as well as some uh, instances in Washington, forest fires and wildfires were also not just based on supposed climate change. And of course, like you said, the wildfires put off more carbon than everybody driving their vehicles, but it's the forests that are saturating carbon that use it as food. They love the carbon dioxide in the air because it's like plant food, but they mismanage their forests at the same time they were mismanaging their grid and their electric system instead of keeping their electronic grid sound and maintained. They were paying too much attention to putting up wind farms and then their power lines and windstorms were starting the fires. Well, and thing is, if state and federal government managed the public lands that they own and got rid of the duff the dead material on the forest floor and thinned out the trees a little bit now and then. Wildfires are called wildfires because there's way too much combustible material in those places and they're not being managed well. And well, some of the reason why they're not being managed well is they won't give permits for loggers to go in and thin the forest to healthy levels. Mm -hmm. And when they go in there, they scoop out the material and they have controlled burns. They build those big piles that you see on the side of, of rural roads, county roads, where they're going to burn the slash when it's safe to burn it. And they can gradually do it so it doesn't negatively affect the air quality. It can be a managed fire so it doesn't put off as much smoke as a wildfire. So there's lots of ways to mitigate this. Yep. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to say graze it, log it, or watch it burn. They want to restrict us and add costs to the consumers trying to talk us into an electric vehicle, which I think these batteries, these massive batteries in these cars, I think I saw a study that showed that you could drive a little Prius, a little hybrid, or a four-cylinder, three-cylinder economic vehicle, and the life of the car, you would put off less carbon emittance than the diesel that was required to dig up the rare earth minerals to make the battery. Absolutely. It's true. And, you know, in going back to forest management, uh, Representative Ed Orcutt, who's a good friend of mine in the Washington State Legislature, he got his degree in forest management at the University of Idaho. And I asked him, I said, when you do a plan to manage a property, whether it's one acre or 50 acres, what's your record on that of wildfire spreading to those places? He goes, never. They never do. And I, I said, and I suppose you did a lot of clear cutting, didn't you? And he goes, none. It, it's stupid to do that because when the rain falls, you wind up with hardly any soil left. It's it's not brain well, surgery, with, Bob. That's what he told me. Yeah. Well, you end up with <laughs> no, erosion. It's management. Well, you end up with it's erosion, management. and and farmers and people that manage their lands, uh, like uh, for people in forestry, the loggers out there, they want to make sure there's trees. For the next generation of loggers that are coming because they're not the first generation of loggers typically they that's their grandfather did and so on and so forth so they want to make sure there's also trees for their their great grandchildren to harvest so it's a huge discussion and of course the money's coming from the logging of state and government lands is supposed to go to education, kind of like the lottery money. But that's why our taxes are so high is because we're paying for it through property taxes, of course. So folks, don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Bob McCaslin talking about uh, transportation in the ways of uh, the North-South Freeway. We'll be right back. 
We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank Mike Fagan for 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective, and we wish you well in your sabbatical and anticipate hearing from you again in the future. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, Spokane, Wa992. Thanks again, and back to the show. Welcome back from the break. We are back on the trains, planes, automobiles, boats, and the North-South Freeway discussion this Friday on the Right Spokane Perspective. Bob, we ran off into the break, and we were just heading down the highway, and we kind of met a dead end, and it was right there at Francis, where the North-South Freeway seems to have ended in the short term. You were on the Transportation Committee in the legislature, and while you were there, I remember there was a negotiation for a gas tax proposal that fully funded the North-South Freeway, and we're hearing the governor saying that's we can't fully fund it anymore. Well, all I can say is that our governor is doesn't seem to understand And the reason why is because there's so many other issues that he seems to be busy with. And one is keeping his emergency powers. That's a whole other subject. So we won't get into that. But he doesn't seem to understand that just because we have less people on the east side of the state doesn't mean that we need good places to drive for products to get from one place to another. And he continues to ignore all of those things because the the worst perpetrator of that is the secretary of the Department of Transportation. He came to us, and this was after COVID, and he fired a whole bunch of workers. And now we were talking about, okay, how do we get those workers? Oh, we've got plenty of people. Well, we've got a study right in front of us and Andrew Barkas, who's the, the chair of that, the ranking member on that committee, had really done pretty good homework on all of this. And so he said, so why did the money that was set aside to the gas tax, how come it's not going to that anymore? And he goes, well, it still is. Well, then I and guess no. I really don't understand because them saying that the funding is no longer fully funded. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But when Senator Baumgartner was involved in those decisions and said, we got it, it is fully funded, it's going to be completed, contracts were written, which means those contracts were written to the end of the project. So it should be no, actually, completely the, fully the funded. The contracts weren't ended to the project. And one of the things that politicians are really bad at is they'll <laughs> promise something that they can't a really contract promise. contract is a contract. Well, but the contracts, so they, they contract out, and, and the contractors know this, and the state agencies know this too, that past legislative bodies can't tie the hands of future legislative bodies. And the legislature is the one that has the power of the purse. And so their legislative ideas might change from legislative cycle to legislative cycle. And so that was a couple of cycles ago. They raised our gas tax. And so now we're going to spend that money on Governor Inslee said it was his priority to have electric ferries. So we're going to get... So now, I guess, but as being 
the chair of the neighborhood council that is now stuck in a never-ending construction zone that was to be fully funded across the river and connecting to I-90, which means the construction zone in our neighborhood would be done with. We're looking at six more years in our neighborhood unless they do something. Well, six added years. It's actually more like 12 more years. 2035. Yeah. Yeah. So we might just be telling our children the same thing our parents said, North-South Freeway. <laughs> I'll never live to see it. You know, and, and so we, we might be there. I mean, there's some bridges, there's an infrastructure. I mean, there's some good canvas for graffiti that's been constructed for, you know, I don't know, $800 million. I'm going to need a but, couple buses to take everyone yeah. in our neighborhood to the governor's doorstep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. I know that there's a lot of corporate entities and investors that have put money into properties with the expectation that in their lifetime, or maybe their children's lifetime at least, that those investments would pay off because of the completion of the North-South Freeway because of commerce. We're the largest commercial area, Spokane, when you talk about the commercial park in the in Spokane Valley, the city of Spokane, we're the largest commercial area between Seattle and Minneapolis. That's a big distance. And so there's a lot of freight here. There's a lot of trade with Canada. Of course, uh, I don't know if, if the governor's familiar with the agreement of, of NAFTA. I'm not sure. I was big with the, the NAFTA agreement. That trade agreement had to do with access to consumers and producers in both sides of the the country there, Canada and the United States, for corporate entities to make those investments. And they've made a lot of those investments, but there's no freeway. And of course, the green governor, if nothing else, if it wasn't for tax revenue, which I know that our state government likes to tax and spend, if it's not for the tax revenue because these investments make a profit, maybe the reason why he should finish the North-South Freeway is because his own engineers told us Spokane County would have 3.6% less carbon emissions and burn 1 uh, million gallons less fuel annually if they complete the freeway. But, I mean, his green, the green governor should, should just pay attention to that. But that's not just the only problem. They ripped out all of those houses in all of those areas, creating, creating, he's solely responsible for creating another part of the housing crisis that we have in Spokane. Those well, houses true. could have been used until the freeway was getting to those areas well, that's true. so that people would still have housing. Well, he does have WashDOT and his his friend Lisa Brown in the Department of Commerce that have recognized that they've torn out a bunch of housing in that area. That's why they allow homeless camps to stay there. That's why those of us in Spokane City aren't paying more in our taxes to help cover the costs of the homeless issues, buying the homeless trench shelter in the future, which is probably well, coming see, soon. Yeah, I think city council's already made the decision to buy the homeless shelter. I think they have, yeah, but here we are do. holding the bag for the governor's decisions for our neighborhoods in our city. Right. Well, they recognize that too, which is why our state tax dollars from the Department of Commerce decided to put out another $24 million for homelessness in Spokane. So, I mean, all those monies could have been put to putting some of those people that are homeless might need extra jobs to put them to work, finishing the freeway. They could have bought I, some houses. And I, I actually had an amendment on the bill that was surrounding all of that, and that was to track down all the people who were given money force you know you better take this money because we're, we're, we're going to yeah. tear your house down with you still in it and you're not going to get the money so well so I, actually, let, I actually knew people bob that were yeah. 
in the path of the freeway that we're trying to hold on. I, I know people that are still, yeah. they're living in basically homeless housing. It's, it's not even transitional housing. It's just government subsidized housing through Catholic charities and other organizations because they had a home-based business. They could pay the, the bills on the house, but they couldn't afford to go buy another house. Just like yeah. right now, the way the housing market is, I couldn't afford to buy my own house for myself. So you had people that were made homeless or were thoroughly displaced in a, in a house and now have to live in an apartment or government subsidized housing. Mm-hmm. Well, what was your because, amendment? Because because you want to know well, what the amendment was? Yeah, the amendment basically would give that money that was being proposed to those people who had lived in those houses. Yeah. Oh, I bet they Representative, freaked out over that one, Representative Riccelli had a conniption fit. And he said, well, we could never do that like this. And I said, well, I've seen money move freely around in the whole transportation sector, uh, Representative Riccelli. So let's at least make an effort there. Oh, it just cannot be done. cannot be done. I said, it won't be done because you're not even willing to look for those people. And he was mad at me for a whole Got picking month for a whole but, month, but here we are. We've spent millions of dollars on Camp Dope for the homeless people. We have spent I don't know how many million has gone to Jules to try to help some of those people get housing. Um, I, think, I think Jules about about two million under two million. There's a lot of money that's been passed around, and, and a lot of that money could have been spent to go towards to some of the this, freeway. Some of this could be and yeah. left the houses. So the reason why Richelli says, "Oh, you can't do that," and the reason why state legislature because you there's different pieces of the pie and you got to separate your spending but when the north south freeway went through i remember homeowners that had their home and it was they didn't have another home this was not a rental property they lived there they were told hey the freeway's going to be coming through here and they're like yeah when you guys stopped up there you haven't done anything with the freeway in five years 20 years i don't i don't want to move until I really have to. And so they held out. Well, as they held out, there isn't a comparable property. So the value of their homes, they were, you know, obviously the government says, oh, we're giving you the value of the home with an imminent domain. The problem is if you're the last homeowner in the area and you're on an island that nobody wants, that's going to be a freeway, it doesn't have a lot of value. So those people in a bad housing market, because by the way, the other thing the Washington State Department did that was wise was they made all of those purchases after the subprime mortgage crash, didn't they? They did. They did it after. So the housing Mm -hmm. market was horrible for those homeowners when the state forced them to sell. So, and I, I don't think we can mix it necessarily with the homeless program because very few of the, the homeless individuals that we see in these camps like Camp Dope are affiliated with North-South Freeway properties. Because there, there's lots yeah. of government programs out there for housing. People can be housed, but the state created a, a void and a problem. We had affordable housing, and it was the houses they tore out for a freeway that now the governor says he's going to delay. And a lot of those houses that were down in those areas probably accept the vouchers for rent. Yeah, if some of the landlords. Left those yeah. houses in all that empty space down there until they actually got there, we would have had housing that could have been utilized and we wouldn't have lost millions of dollars. Well, the North South Freeway from uh, tearing out those houses, uh, the number, because I just read up on this recently for unknown reasons. Actually, uh, we'll have to announce that later. There was five, over 500 properties demolished, over uh, 1,200 people that were 
basically removed that had to find other housing somewhere else. So it did create a a gap in in housing for people. And it was a a freeway that was supposed to be fully funded. So we got lied to by politicians that said, oh, it's fully funded. Even the newspaper put out the lie. Oh, it's fully funded. It's going to get finished. Now we're sitting here looking at, again, the West side is getting the money for transportation. We're spending probably, if they look at the budget, we're going back in time, back to where instead of getting 80 or 90 cents back on the dollar for the transportation taxes we send to Olympia, we're back to getting 70 or 60% of our money back. Well, and and Marcus Riccelli has gladly taken all kinds of glowing reports because of his work in getting funding to the North-South Freeway. But when you compare to the amount of money that's gone toward the North-South Freeway with other things in my mind, don't really work very well. It's incredibly dishonest, I think, you know, for, first of all, for one person to take all kinds of credit. Even even Senator Baumgartner didn't drag it out as as long as uh, Representative Riccelli has because he, I, I think the assistant person under Jake Fye on that committee, he's got all kinds of power to be able to to get money and find money that would go toward that. And I think our local Spokane guy, my friend Mike, who is the WASDOT coordinator for our area, I think he's been creative and done the best he can. There was a lot of money there, but a lot of restrictions about how he could use it. And unfortunately- Oh yeah, of course, they got to throw money at lots yeah. of pedestrian bridges. You can't just have a bridge attached to a bridge. You know, you can't just have a walkway mm-hmm. attached to a bridge. You got to have a separate pedestrian bridge, which is another- Three million in the budget item instead of five hundred grand, that or a bridge been. connected to the walking bridge, so that cars have another exit Maybe avenue the, from your neighborhood. That's the way you yes. should sell it to the legislature: is that we want a walking bridge with a vehicle bridge attached, so that both can travel on the same bridge because it's a lot less cost. I asked for that. We were told no. Why? Why no? Because they had an agenda, and it was the children of the sun. Well, trail. now we don't have access out of our neighborhood. Well, it, Just it, it makes it more difficult. Yeah. So on that note, unfortunately, folks, we are at the end of the freeway and there's no off ramp, but we're out of time for today's show. So thanks for joining us for the transportation discussion. And, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that there was no incidents today. There was no fender benders, but it felt like we were headed towards one. And I think we need to be headed over to Olympia, at least be making phone calls to our representatives, telling them to quit lying to us and to fund the project we've already paid for twice. That being said, we're out of here today, folks. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.